Hello and welcome. My guest today is Noah Heisman. Noah's previously appeared on the podcast, episode 267, and he's a writer and philosopher and a scholar athlete. And in this conversation, he interviewed me. But because I got such a joy from recording it, I figured I'd also share it here. We talked about the price it takes to be great, what I would do if I was restarting online, what it means to deny the possibility of God, gaps of knowledge that our current society may have today, and the importance of choosing the right rep range. Originally, Noah was supposed to be interviewing me, but this turned into me interviewing him as well, and it turned into a beautiful conversation where we were just two friends hanging out. This is similar to a conversation we would have in the sauna, and I figured you might enjoy this as well. So let me know your thoughts about this episode on Twitter, at hey Danny Miranda or on YouTube in the YouTube comments. Please subscribe to this show wherever you're listening. And yeah, the subscriptions are really what I'm trying to drive for in 2023. So if you can help me out, subscribe to the show, that would mean the world to me. And let's get into the episode with Noah Heisman. Danny Miranda, how are you, buddy? I'm doing phenomenal. And I'm just in awe of the studio. I'm in <laughs> awe of everything you've created. I remember in October us talking about it. And yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm building this podcast space. And then to see it come to fruition like this, this is one of my favorite spaces I've ever seen. So it's so cool to be here. Thank you. I love to hear it. How long have you been in Austin now? Two weeks officially okay. to my move. But I mean, visits three months ago or rather two months ago and then a visit here, visit there. So, but two weeks settled in. Is two weeks long enough to make a original determination about how it's impacted your life? Yeah. I mean, three weeks plus the additional time that I spent a hundred percent. Like this is where I was meant to be. This is, this is like the home of creatives. This is the modern day Athens. This is just, dude, I've been recognized here three or four times in three weeks. And I don't, and I've never been because you're a savage, bro. No, it's not because I'm a savage, but I think what it means and what it points to is that the content that I'm creating is really resonating with people here, mm. specifically people who are building stuff, people who are creating stuff. Because population wise, there's more people in New York. Yeah. So you would assume that more people would recognize me in New York. But I think it's because the builders, the creators, the people who are on the cutting edge of the future are here. And that's who I'm creating content or podcasting to. I love it, and I believe you are correct with every fiber of my being. How uh, how many podcasts have you put out now? We're up to 292. Jupiter. <laughs> what is the pace on that? When did you start? When was it pod one? Pod one was September 2020 is when I released it, and I recorded it August 2020. And the pace at the beginning was three a week. Then for the second year, it was like, it ended up being two a week, but it was just like whenever I felt it or was it whenever I was called to. So sometimes it was three weeks, sometimes it was zero. And then the third year, which started in September, 2022, three a week. So now we're keeping up the three week pace 
until hopefully the death of me is the aim and the mission. What is something, but when you start, before you started the process and the podcast was just still an idea, mm-hmm. whenever we start something new, before we start it, there's always a uh, romanticized version of it in our head. Yep. What is the piece of it that uh, you found tougher than you imagined or not nearly as uh, like romantic as you envisioned before you started? So... I knew that if I procrastinated what I want... So the original idea for the podcast came out because I said to myself, I enjoy talking to people on the phone. Let me record it because that's a podcast. And so I knew that if I waited too long, thought about the name too much, tried to figure out the posting schedule, I would romanticize it so much to the point where I would never actually do anything. So I was like... Let me set a launch date. As soon as I had the idea, I was like, let me set a launch date. And then it was okay. I got the launch date. Like, now let me do one episode a week. And then I recorded them before there was a time period in between me launching the podcast and me recording a bunch. And I was like, I love this so much. And I'm getting so many people I can talk to. And I'm not that good at it, but I'm enjoying it so much. So it also felt like something that I was okay at to start and for a lot of my life a lot of the things that i've done i've been bad at to start and so this was the first thing where i'm like okay if i'm okay at this to start and i have a work ethic like i can really do some damage with this so yeah that's that's kind of how it came to be and i i to answer the romantic pieces of it is just like i just tried to make sure that i wasn't getting too romantic about it i was romantic about the conversation and the conversation lived up to it always because the win for me was the conversation. Yeah. And so it it's turned out like exactly how I expected from the romantic aspect of it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a layer deeper and ask a slightly different question then and say, um, you know, it's important. I think before we choose our obsession or the things we're, we choose to be obsessed with is that we are, we understand what it demands yeah. to be good at it. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that is looking to get into podcasting, if you had to give them advice to make sure that they are entering eyes wide open, mm-hmm. what would you want them to know in terms of, hey, just so you know, by all means do this, but if you want to do it well, this is what it demands. Well, I think of life and saw life like Kobe Bryant did in the sense of he saw what Michael Jordan required of himself and he was like, oh, I'm just going to do that. And so when I saw my favorite podcasters who I thought were doing it incredibly well, yeah. people like Rogan, people like Chris Williamson, I was like, oh, this is what they're doing? Okay, I could do that too. That they put out three or four episodes a week, like that's what I'm going to do too. I'm not, not going to be as good at them as them in the beginning and I, I'm going to strive to be, but I just, my initial inclination, because I was okay at it to start, I was like, I want to be great. Yeah, I want to be, I want to be at that level. Is what my, my thought process was at the beginning. I don't know if people should go at it like that, right? Like maybe it's best to just feel it out. It depends what you want out of the podcast itself. To be great, I think you just need to do it a lot or be extremely talented. Um, and so because I'm not extremely talented, I need to do it a lot. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, but the thing is, you could still get value from having a podcast for doing it once a week mm. and having one conversation a week. Like 
just because I'm going to the extreme doesn't mean that you need to if you're starting a podcast. Yeah. Um, so just to like give somebody that would want to start it. So the reason I asked this question is because I've been thinking a lot about it lately in the context of um, like my deadlift and my running goal, yeah. pursuing those two things separately. And <clears throat> until like six months ago, to me, it, what was what I wasn't fully clear on was this idea of, I mean, the reality is if I want to hit those two things, three days a week at least are two, like there are two workouts in those days. Mm-hmm. And then the other days there's one workout, but it's like, I gotta, I gotta find time in the morning and in the afternoon to hit a workout. Yeah. And so <clears throat> like it was, imp- it's important for me in that context to be like, listen, the price you have to be willing to pay is that you got to do double days. There, there's no way around it. There's yeah. no shortcut. Like you have to pay that price. Yeah. And when I think about it in the context of podcasting, I have to imagine something that always takes longer than people want, wish or desire is like the editing process or mm-hmm. the clipping process. Yep. Um, so what, what did you find? And I'm going to, I keep hammering on this one question, but I'm like trying really to, to, iron out exactly um for somebody else that's looking to get into it i just i i because what i what i'm trying to avoid is i think a lot of people get into things realize it takes more than they thought and then they stop mm. versus if they have the knowledge of what it takes up front and still choose it yeah. they're much more likely to continue and endure yes but i will say that always wh- hitting me with the the butts <laughs> no i'm kidding i love it well the thing is I built on it at first, yeah. the first 40 episodes, if I knew what it would take to get to this point, I wouldn't have started. And so True. my first 38 episodes were audio only. Yeah. No clips, no video, no timestamps, no nothing, just the audio conversation. And so, yeah, it's a whole process now, but it's only the process now that it is today with all of those components because I asked myself continually continuously how can i make this better yeah how can i make this better how can i make the and what you're seeing today two and a half years into it is the result of asking that question over and over and over and over again and so i do think it might be helpful for someone to see what is required but i also think it might be helpful for someone to just do it poorly not poorly but do it to the best of their capabilities today and ask how they could do it better if you had started lifting weights and running and on day one of it, I'm like, all right, you're going to run five minute mile yeah. and you're going to deadlift 500 pounds. You'd be like, dude, there's no way I can't do it. But now it seems in sight. Now it seems possible. Because yeah. You have 10 plus, I don't know how long you've been working out, but a decade plus of working out. Like that's what makes that possible. And because you had fun in the weight room in the beginning. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you actually took it there because I think it's an important point. I think I was just more so trying to, because I've been, I've been really thinking about it a lot lately in the context of finding your obsession and like, what are the filters? Mm. Like when you, when you're thinking about, because life is only really long enough for us to get really, 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 really good at one thing. We can get okay. We can get like good at a lot of things, but to get like great I disagree. Okay. I think you can get great at multiple things. And your your hero, your role model, Arnold Schwarzenegger, is a great example of that. 
He got great at bodybuilding. He got great at being a politician, arguably. You could, he got great at being an actor. That's three different things. And, and so what's the, the rebuttal? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about like if you want to be the best yeah. at that thing. Like if you want to be like Kobe, yeah. right, or, or MJ. And what, so that's, that's what I'm saying is like you, cause the time it takes to go from 95th percentile yes. to 99th percentile is a whole different level of commitment. Totally. But I agree with you. I'm as somebody that actually would rather just be really good at a bunch of different things. I totally agree. Yeah. But I know because of that, I will never be the best at anything. Maybe, or maybe the thing that you are going to be the best at hasn't shown itself to your attributes yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if there was one thing I could be the best at with that approach is is something like, you know, what Naval talks about of you take three things, combine them, and then you are the best at that combination of three things. And I recently have publicly stated that I want to create a new category of athlete. Hybrid athlete exists out there now. A lot of people are, and like I would put myself in that category, but for me, it's something bigger. It's it sounds a little strange to say it out loud, but Plato's idea of the scholar athlete of a man of thought and a man of action. Um, if there was one thing I want to be the best at in the world, it's the embodiment of that. Yeah. And so I'm so happy you took it there because I was listening to you and CJ on the podcast mm. starting at two o'clock. Okay. So two o'clock, the podcast starts two, 2 PM today. I hear you. I just finished taking a shower and I, hear the things you guys are talking about and i'm like i'm going for a run immediately <laughs> and so I, I go for a run on the treadmill you know do a, a little 5k whatever and the podcast ends and it's you talking about that topic mm. it's you talking about being a scholar athlete and how that is the thing that you want to be the best in the world that and dude from i've spoken to 300 plus people you're like i would have to go through the list but like you're definitely up there of like people who can say that they are a scholar and also an athlete. So I think that's phenomenal. And I think you definitely should take your brand or your mission to focus on that because you're living proof of it. Uh, now that you've sufficiently put me in my place, um, I will concede <laughs> everything you said. Um, what I'm really interested to know is uh, a few different things. One, um, kind of staying on the topic of giving somebody the tools to sort of start the journey that you've started for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you wake up tomorrow, everything is wiped clean. Everything you've done is re re erased. The world is reset entirely. You have to start over. Where do you start? Start with what? Whatever you want. So if, if, if you are choosing to pursue podcasting again, yeah. or maybe you're pouring your or prioritizing Substack, mm -hmm. it, in terms of building who Danny Miranda is and what he wants to do. You have a clean slate. So does everybody else. And yeah. so everybody starts at zero and now we're off to the races. What are you doing first? Yeah, I'm probably just building a podcast. I'm probably talking to the people who I find interesting or finding the people who I'm like, yo, everything's been wiped clean. Like, like, how are you dealing with this? I want to yeah. talk to those people. I think in my bones, I'm, I'm somebody who, wants to ask questions and somebody who wants to learn more about the world. And I do that via asking questions to people. And so 
been doing that since I was a young kid. I just want to explain or or show people about my experience and be like, yo, this is what's going on. And so any way I could think of to do that, probably through podcasting, right, would be would be how I'd do it. And and just it it's like I feel at this moment like that this is what I was put on this earth to do. And it's a beautiful feeling. And I hope everyone has that for themselves at some point. Okay. So podcast is phase one of the Danny Miranda takeover plan. Phase two is? Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, like you writing books, it's like, that's the beginning and the end. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't like, I I'm having trouble with the question because it's like, okay, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll help you. Um, Please. Is Substack phase two? Oh, you're saying like growing a brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see like I think growing a brand, I I would focus on short form content. Mm. Like that's the, right now in 2022, 23, like short form content, like put out as much of that as you possibly can. Put out three clips. If your aim is to grow, three clips a day minimum, Facebook reels, Instagram, TikTok, like YouTube shorts, and just see how people respond to that. Okay, this reminds me actually of a tweet you had recently about um, people telling you to niche down and you pushing back because your aim isn't necessarily to grow fast, it's to grow organically and authentically. Yeah. So how do you how do you walk that line and when when do you feel yourself I, I have to imagine there's a constant tension in you that says, if I do this thing, I, I'll grow a little bit faster. But this feels a little more true to me. How do you monitor yourself and how are you um, sort of towing that line continuously? Yeah. So I recently noticed that like I was recently, like in the past three months, I was like, oh, I'm asking questions for clips. But I got into this so that I could enjoy the conversation the most. So I just noticed that in myself and I was like, hmm, like I'm going to stop doing that because I don't want to, I don't want to cater to the algorithm in that way. Like if the clips come, they'll come. And so I am, I think you, you understand that better by just doing the process more and understanding you will fall prey to the algorithm or you, you might not, you might have a a stronger will or, or knowing (laughs) of yourself than I do. But what I found was that I just, you, you go to a place that you don't like, and then you just come back. Right. And I continued to just like try to broaden my scope and be like, okay, where, where do I want this podcast to go? How do I want to improve it? You know, like, and not try to be like, how do I think it's going to grow? But instead, how do I want to take it? And so I just try to follow that call to the best of my abilities. Yeah. I love that. Um, if you listened to the podcast with me and CJ, there's a point where we talk about how the hero's journey can be applied specifically to an endeavor in your life. So if we apply that to the podcast in terms of there's the different phases, you could also think about it as, you know, the four seasons Mm -hmm. of winter, spring, summer, fall. Um, The four big phases of the hero's journey being separation, trial, temptation, rebirth, ultimate boon. What stage do you think the podcast is at? I think it's in the rebirth stage. Mm. The same as what you mentioned to CJ, I believe, about where you feel like you're at. I feel like it's just about to hit its stride. And and I feel like I've been tempted to stop doing the podcast. I've been tempted in to be like, 
I should do something else. But I've stayed true to the vision of it. And I feel like it's just on the cusp yeah. of what it's about to become. And I feel like it's just on the cusp, cusp of more attention, more exposure, um, more knowing of myself, un- greater understanding of guests, greater understanding of how to get the most out of guests. Like, I feel like it's literally right there. And I feel it. Like, I, I know, I, I just... I just have a sense that that's where it's at and I'm excited to hopefully one day bring those rewards back home. Uh, it's funny. I moved out to Austin and my buddy, Mike Vacanti, who's you would love and be, a, you'd be a great friend. Cause he's also a scholar athlete. He said, remember when I moved to Austin, he said, remember the end of the hero's journey is going back home. And I just was like, damn, like, you know, this dude is, He's probably right. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know in what capacity, but yeah, I, I think I'm in the rebirth phase similar to you. That's fantastic. It is going back home, but neither you nor the place is the same. Mm. So it's home, but it's different. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love that. Um, and that's an exciting place to be. You and the rising sun together going it's, to the Zenith. It's so exciting. Being, yeah. Being on the rise, being growing. <laughs> I, I always think about this thing that Larry King said where he would look at all of his trophies when, after he was retired and it, it was all ending. And he'd be like, oh, man, I just want to be the kid that's underrated. I feel in my bones that I'm underrated. I feel in my bones that I'm at that place I was in the beginning. The growth, the excitement, the building. Because to him, that was the best part. And I read that time and time again yeah. by biographies and and autobiographies of people who are trying who have made it already but who look at themselves and be like oh th- those were the good old days when you were trying to and i i feel like i'm in that stage and i'm really grateful to be in that stage and yeah to to recognize that in the moment because a lot of people only recognize it after it's gone yeah yeah that's uh i mean you're in a special place the other thing i would say with respect to the hero's journey is i think one thing that often gets lost in the ultimate do, uh, boon phase when you return home is uh, you're not always received with open arms. So um, you see this in the Odyssey when Odysseus leaves and then he comes back just to find that his home is littered with suitors and like they want to kill him and take his wife. Wow. And so, um, I mean, you know this, but it's all, it's ultimately like, yes, they return home, but that could be a metaphor for yourself like returning to a deeper sense of self-knowledge it's not tied to any location right and so this journey home is where the soul comes to know itself as it expands outward towards completeness as it becomes more and more whole it starts to know itself more and more Mm. so there is a sense in which the return home is just a return to knowledge a return to self and where the treasure is who you become I, I actually wanted to ask you about this. Yeah. Because, you know, like the saying, body, mind, and soul. Yeah. It's like, I know what you do for your body. You, you know, work out. Mm-hmm. I know what you do for your mind. You read. What do you do for your soul? <laughs> yeah, this is, there's a, <clears throat> it's hard to articulate. One of my favorite articles on it is like spiritual fitness. And it's by Brett McKay, the guy that does art of manliness, who I love. Um, and, effectively so the the soul or like becoming big souled is a matter of uh you could think about it as 
building virtue. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a quote of courage is not simply one of the virtues. It's every virtue at the testing point. And so when you think about, when you think about the virtues in the same way, I would like lift uh, a, a bicep curl to build my biceps. I would put myself in a situation that requires courage to exercise my soul. I would uh, continue to endure when everything in me wants to stop, build resilience. That is exercising the soul. And so it's more about sort of these admirable, noble characteristics, putting ourselves in situations where admirable traits are required. That is what exercising the soul is. So that is why. What's an example of that? Um, I mean, so, so the, an example is like running a half marathon, like pushing to the edge. Anytime you go to the edge physically, when your body says, let's stop and you don't, you are training your capacity for resilience and endurance. I love that. And so it's, yes, it's, it's not just your body, right? Because your body is getting stronger physically, but it's, it, there's something in you. There's, there's something else that you're training with that, your resilience. The same thing with the ice bath. Mm. It's not just your, the physiological benefits. There's something else going on. And it's not, it's like, it's not just the mind either. Cause you're not getting smarter. Yeah. There's something else that's happening. There's something else that's changing the fiber of your being. Those situations, something else is at work inside of you, changing you from within. And that is, that is what training the soul is. Wow. I've never thought about it like that. I'm so happy I asked. <laughs> Literally never. But now, but I, I do know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I was on the run before this and I had to run a 5k in who knows how long. And because I was listening to you and because I was like, let me push myself. I was like, all right, like, I did it and I grew some something in me grew because of that. Yeah. And I think it's and 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 what I want to be clear is it's like uh you were training both uh, all three things at once. Yes. Right? So it's mind, body and soul at work in that moment. Yeah. Um I love that. I love that. Yeah, it's 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 hard because the soul it doesn't like it's you can't touch it. Yeah. where you can touch the body and mind in a more understandable way. Yeah, there's a, um, we were talking briefly before this podcast, and I'm going to try very hard to articulate this in a brief manner, but it is one of the hardest things I've ever tried to grasp in my life. That's not an exaggeration. Trying to write on it as I like edit my second book these last this last week, I'm moving at a snail's pace. It's taken me an entire week to edit five pages because it's like these ideas are so complex. But I mean, obviously the soul is the one thing we can't prove, right? Like nobody can show you a soul. And, and so obviously it's, it's a matter of debate for sure of like, do we have a soul or not? What is it? Is it just a spirit or is it like more of just our sense of self? Like, what do we mean when we say soul? And it comes from like you know, Plato's original um, one of, didn't technically come from him, I guess. Uh, it came from Heraclitus, but Plato was the first person to talk about like the theories of the soul and sort of the idea of the forms and the, and the idea that there existed a realm above us that where ideas that like the enduring ideas existed. Um, you could think about it in the context of Jung's collective consciousness. There seems to be this well that we are all drawn from and return to that 
precedes us. Now, Jung and Joseph Campbell both thought that in the context of consciousness and myths specifically, myths were effectively our soul educating ourself. Because what they did is, you know, first with the creation myths and then with hero myths, is they tried to deliver messages for how to develop. So originally, you know, we get these, this, there's these creation myths and it's our ancestors on their hands and knees sort of trying to figure out where do we come from? Like, what is this? Who are we? Like, what is our point? And so we come to this, this conscious awareness of our own, of our dignity. And that's why the original heroes are split between um, natural and supernatural, like Hercules. He's got dual parentage, mortal and immortal. And that is humanity wrestling with the fact that there seems to be something more than animal in us, but less than angel. We seem to be equal parts, finite and infinite. How do we, how do we reconcile these two things? And so how they did it was in the theater of myth. Shakespeare said it called myths mirrors where we can examine the mysteries of the energies inside us. So that first, that first happened in creation myths. And then in hero stories, if you look again at Hercules, they're effectively trying to educate us on how we can develop, how we expand, how we become more, how we mold ourselves more in kinship to our creator effectively. And that's why you go through these trial periods to reach Mount Olympus is it's all Myths weren't just to entertain. They were, they were our guides for the longest time. They were these spontaneous productions of the soul is what Campbell called them. And they came up in story in order to educate our ancestors on how do we progress psychologically? How do we develop more psychologically? And so they give us something like a map toward magnanimity, which is big soldness of what are the types of things that we have to do. And that's when, when I talked about, you know, the main elements being, uh, you know, there's, there's a hero usually of dual parentage that has to kill a bunch of beasts, sometimes dragons, like dragons, sometimes literally, and sometimes in the form of just adversity, all to get some hard to attain treasure. Now, what Jung and like some of the alchemists thought was when you, when you think about the hard to attain treasure is, uh, what they slay, what they transform also transforms them. So the gold they get is the gold they become in that journey. And so there's a, I can't remember, I think it's Paulo Coelho, the guy that wrote, uh, the alchemist, the alchemist. Yeah. It's like the reward for the work is who you become. It's kind of that's that same idea. All of this to say the soul is unprovable, but we all seem to feel it. And so it's the name we've come up with for the piece of us that seems to be aligned with the infinite. Hmm. I've never thought about it like that. <laughs> <It's sucked up. laughs> not surprised. I'm not sure how that came out because I've been, it's been so hard to try to write about. It's such a complex idea, um, but it's so fascinating. It changes everything because that's the purpose of my book, right? Is when I go through these hero stories, it's not just a regurgitation of these hero stories. What I'm trying to do is get people to wrestle with this 
idea that these stories, even if they aren't literally true, mm-hmm. hold some key to the development of the individual that we might use to live greater lives ourselves. That's the whole purpose of my second book. On that topic, I spoke yesterday with uh, Michael Girdley, and we spoke about how religion has decreased in the U.S., but religion for Apple, Tesla, and mm. other things have increased, and they've kind of taken its place. Yeah, And it's like, what does that mean? What what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks of of religion on the decline? And I'd have to fact check that. I don't. Yeah, it is. I, it it is. is. It absolutely is. And and these, it's just being replaced for Elon is is our new pope, or you know, Steve Jobs before Tim Cook. So yeah, I'm not saying we're there yet, but this was the same exact issue focused on by Nietzsche when he said God is dead. Right. And he's like, what games must we invent? And he was effectively foreshadowing the rise of Nazism and communism because. There is a hole that exists in our hearts. A God-sized hole is what Blaise Pascal called it. And if we don't fill it with God, we're going to fill it with something else. Something else to make chaos order, to give us structure. And the problem is choosing anything on earth is going to ultimately let you down. This is the Tower of Babel in the Bible. It's the same, it's the same story. So I went on a date with this girl. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and... She said she didn't believe in God. Yeah. And I equated that to she she didn't have an optimistic view of the future. Mm. I don't know if that was correct, a correct assumption, but a part of me shrinked at that thought. Yeah. Of like, you don't believe in God. What what do you mean? Like you don't believe in a, a future that's going to be brighter. And to me, that this is making more sense why I had that feeling. After hearing you talk about it like that. Well, yeah, it's like what stands at the top of your hierarchy, if not God. Mm. You know what I mean? It it tells you something about what they view as the thing of highest value. Yeah. And um, it can be tough because it, we are fallible. Like that is the, like that whenever we try to replace God, we don't have the wisdom. We don't have the perspective and all we have is bias. And it's like, it's also tough because it depends like, what do you mean by God? And this is where Jordan Peterson always asks the question. Like he always responds to, I act as if God exists, which actually is probably the best answer. I think we might've talked about this on the last podcast. Of, I, I asked you, do you believe in God? Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. Because it's one thing to say we believe in God, but unless we act, act like it, yeah. we don't actually believe in God. Yeah. It's just you, you say it because it makes you feel better, but you're not willing to pay the consequences. You're not willing to live the life. And so there's always a gap between what we say we believe and how we, what we live like we believe. Mm. And so that's why it's a little bit of a complicated question, but I would have the same reaction as you just, just simply because I, it's not because I think they're wrong. It's, I just want to shake them and ask have you thought through the consequences of that decision? Ah, that is it. That is it. It's it's the idea that there, there's a price we pay for the things we think. Yeah. Even if that's not our intended consequence. It's like you could look at somebody 
who's jacked and you could make the assumption or thought they must be very stuck up. And if that is your initial inclination, that's going to stop you. The consequence of that thought is going to stop you from going to the gym and not stop you necessarily, but it's going to push you away from that reality. And so I feel the same way about not believing in God pushes you away from maybe truth or maybe understanding yourself. Well, there is no such thing as truth without something to anchor truth in. There is no such thing as truth. That's what I mean by like the consequences of that decision is like, there's no such thing as truth. There's no such thing as beauty. There's no such thing as an ideal. Yeah. And so it, it, that is what, that is the risk of our nihilistic age that um, is falling away from God is there's this idea that it's like, it isn't, when you remove God, you remove a lot more than just God. Yeah. What else is going? What you said, truth, beauty, and like right and wrong. So this is like Nietzsche's beyond good and evil. Like you don't get good and evil without some standard to judge your actions against. It doesn't exist. And we can't create our own values. We know that from Nazism. Mm. Nietzsche had the idea of the Ubermensch who he thought was a man, a higher man, the highest man that wouldn't be needed in the absence of God to create values, to tell us what we should do and shouldn't do. The problem is, is the Nazis appropriated that idea for themselves. And they tried to create their Ubermensch. Like that was them creating values was slaughtering millions of Jews. And so you go in the Nuremberg trials. I think we might've talked about this too, but you don't get to condemn Germany and the Nazis for what they did without God, without the idea of natural law. There was no law on the books that said Nazis, they couldn't do those things. There was nothing. And so you, they had to, they struggled with, okay, if that doesn't exist, what standard do we use to tell them they were wrong? The Nazis made this argument at the Nuremberg trials. They said, look, we're not guilty of anything. There's no law that tells us we can't do this. Wow. So there's either natural law that says they can't, which is what we generally agreed on as a society at that point in time of like, no, that is one of like the silver lining things is, the world came together and said, there is such a thing as objective truth, things that are right and wrong. You cannot do this. This is a crime against humanity. That only works if there's a natural law. Natural law only works if there's something that exists above us to give the dictates of natural law. How do you think about slavery being such a widespread phenomenon and still is and how that is so it's so we allow it it it's allowed in our in the world today like so many countries have slaves and in our own past in the united states we had slaves <clears throat> and it's like that was not that long ago in the grand yeah. scheme of things so like what are our other gaps in knowledge Potentially, if that one was a gap for thousands of years. Yeah, I. that's a great question. I think about that pretty often. Of There are going to be things where three generations from now, they look back and they say, like, atrocious, absolute animals. And that's why it's like, <clears throat> when we start thinking about, like, canceling people and getting canceled, there's this idea of, like, deal with the past, the people of the past, how you want the people of the future to deal with you. Yeah. Give the people of the past the same grace you want the people of the future to give you because we all have blind spots. And by, by their nature, 
we are blind to them. We yeah. can't see them. We can try to have these conversations and have guesses, but the reality is, is like, as technology increases, as certain concepts become known, it's just they're going to have a larger. <laughs> you're good. Figure out the I mean, this is a, a you know Newton's got the. I love the saying of uh, if I see further, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. And so that's going to, that same thing is going to happen in the future. But your point about slavery kind of makes the same point as the Nuremberg trials without a standard, something to tell us that it's wrong. We have nothing to condemn it with. So this is why the declaration of independence and like our constitution is so great and like, I, you know, I love Lincoln and it's like this idea that all men are created equal says who God or it isn't the case either, either like somebody. And that's why it's like, when I say God, it's like, even if God is only the energy that existed before us, the creative energy that existed, God could mean that it's either you get him proclaiming all people were created equal, create, or you have nothing to, to enforce that statement. Let's, uh, I want to, <laughs> one other question I want to make sure I ask you. I loved that tangent though, by the way, that was great. <laughs> that was amazing. It's just a conversation between two bros trying to figure life out. Um, so, uh, Okay, so 200 and how many podcasts? 292 published 292. at this point. Uh, what would you like to be at at the end? We'll have a conversation like this at the end of next year. What number will you be at then? Uh, 295 plus 156 minimum, if not 200. So anywhere from 450 to 500. Let's go.com. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so of those 296, if you had to uh, write your version of Tools of Titans, mm. I'm not going to make you pick a bunch. I'm just going to make you pick one or two if you can think of multiple. What are some of the best ideas from the first 296 episodes that you would want the world to know? So I'm going to do an episode 295, about 10 lessons from the last a hundred yeah. episodes because I want to review a bunch yeah. and I want to go through and be like, what did I learn this year? You know, like just as an exercise for myself, one that I wrote that, that I think is, is impactful. And this came recently from Corey Allen is the idea that when we're trying to improve something, we can play hero and victim at the same time. And I'd never considered that possibility before. And I, you just look at like, all right, you're, you're starting a new workout regime and you're like, all right, like I'm two weeks into it. I'm going to the gym. I'm the hero, but then I'm the victim in that it's not happening fast enough. And so that idea can manifest itself throughout any part of our lives. I think I even manifested hero and victim when I was doing the podcast in the episode, in the two hundreds, like even in, in this last year of like, I'm doing it. Like, how come it's not working to the extent that I think it is? So I was like playing hero and that I was doing the podcast, but also victim and that I was wondering like why it wasn't taking a hold to the level that I wanted. Mm. to. So 
it was just a really helpful concept for me. And it really put things in perspective of like, oh, okay. Like you can play hero and victim at the same time. If you know that to be the case, how are you playing victim in your life where you are also playing hero? Right? So that was just like a, a because when we view things with the black or white of like, you're either a hero or a victim, mm. you sometimes, it, it's hard sometimes to really grasp that you can actually be both. Well, it's a blind spot. Yeah. It's like if you think yourself the whole hero without understanding that. And then, you, and then all of a sudden you can't see where you're being a victim. Yep. Um, so just a really yeah, that's useful a great, concept. That is a really useful concept. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I guess my question on that would, with that concept in mind, has it changed how you react when you catch yourself being the victim? So the conversation was a week or two weeks ago. So it's just very recent. Yeah. Um, but so it hasn't changed anything specifically in this moment, but I, it did help give greater understanding to things of the past, which is why I found it useful. Mm. Cause I don't believe I'm playing the victim in any particular role right now in my life, which is a, why I feel so happy. I believe like, yeah. it's like people multiple times have been like, dude, you're so smiley in the past few weeks since I've been here. It's because I'm taking responsibility for my life and because I'm being the hero of my own story. Yeah, there. Um, I love that answer. It makes me think of. So you you just said you're very happy right now. Um, Nietzsche is on my brain because we were talking about the death of God, but he has a, a quote that says, when we're tired, we are attacked by ideas we thought we conquered long ago. Say and that again. When we are tired. We are attacked by ideas or things we thought we had conquered long ago. Yes. And so I've noticed in myself the pieces of myself that I don't love, when they start to appear in my life, I usually know that that's an indication that I'm too tired or too stressed. And so I wonder if it would be the same thing in terms of the victim when you catch yourself in like that voice coming there's something maybe maybe when I'm, I'm trying to approach this as a what's a response like how, how can you use that interpret that as like a signal um to do something rather than just something to be observed because i don't think it's just something to be observed and so for me i, I know that when those things start to show back up there's something else going on in my life maybe i'm not getting enough sleep i'm not getting enough food I'm too tired, whatever. Um, and that usually does a, maybe I'm not being as active as I should. doesn't matter. Uh, and that helps. That's helped me a lot. I think having people around who can keep you accountable can, can help you when you're playing the victim. Like you giving me that look in the ice cup <laughs> that I'll never forget, right? Yeah. That is an example of me playing the victim and the hero. Oh, I did the sauna. Playing the hero, but you gave me the look, which meant I was, and a run, and we went for a run too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so that's true. I forgot about that. And it's like having people around you who are also relent, relentless humans, like yeah. that. That keeps you accountable when you're playing the hero and victim. That's how I'm going to approach it going forward. Of like, I'm going to try to my best to surround myself with people who inspire me, who make me feel good, and because of that, I'm going to 
they're going to be able to see my blind spots yeah. if I have them. How would you... You don't have to have an answer to this. I'm just thinking real time. I mean, it seems to be a very intentional choice to use the word victim mm. instead of villain. Mm. And I'm I'm wondering if you have a distinction between the two. Yeah, well, Corey used victim, so it's been yeah, in my yeah, head yeah. as that. Uh, what do you think his reason for choosing victim instead of villain is? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. We'll ask him. Yeah, well, we, I'll, I'll send a <laughs> message after this. Uh, yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I was actually, I was yeah. actually so mind-blown when he said it. Like, I, my brain stopped. <laughs> You know, like, like on so the that's podcast, how you know it's good. Exactly. Yeah. On the podcast, you could, you could actually hear like, I wish I'd gone deeper into that, but I was just so like, oh my God, what just happened? Like, I just <laughs> need to go to a different place. Oh, I love that. All right. So we got idea number one. You are, you are uh, capable of being both the hero and the victim mm. in any given thing. Uh, is there a second idea? Yeah. Another idea I would put forth based on my last year is like, it's okay for something to be your obsession, but also take breaks on that thing. Like it's, it's completely fine. And that doesn't mean you're not obsessed with it. A, a good example would be first two weeks of January. I didn't post a single podcast, two weeks, no podcast. And then in July, I posted two all of July and that's all the first one was because I was feeling really down and really upset. And the second one was because I was trying to figure out the in-person. Both situations, I could have made it work. And I was like questioning, like, is this my thing? Is this what I actually want to do? Is this what really lights me up? And, you know, the answer is yes. Like, it really does. And every time I did it, I felt more whole. But there were periods where I was questioning. My mind was playing victim and hero or, or really maybe just victim at that point. And... And I'm grateful that I came out of a, on the other side more energized, more excited, more obsessed. And I guess the lesson there is it's okay. Like, yeah, you could be a writer all your life and stop writing and then come back to it. Like, yeah, today's a new day. Today is day one for the podcast, for your passion, for your pursuit, for whatever you want to do. Like, it really is day one. And I think thinking like that really helped me because I was like, oh, I could just go back to three a week if I wanted to. And I did. Yeah, and the results have been amazing since I've done that because I committed yeah. to myself. The um, I love that, and I I think it's very true, and it's something I was just thinking about today also. Uh, because you, I, and Zach had that conversation one time about um, Zach. I hope your sleeping habits have gotten better. Um, <laughs> you know, and then he he got some heat for a recent thing he put out about saying that sleep is the enemy of the obsessed, but. Your problem that you're talking about is I think it's I think it's just a matter of widening the scope of the time horizon you're looking at. One thousand percent. Instead of looking at it in like days or months, you need to think about it as if your life. And it's like the aggregate amount of obsession that you pour in over your life and can pour in over your life. So that's a reason why I only write a max of three hours every morning. I have to save some in the tank so I can do it again tomorrow. Yeah. And so it's like, but then when I zoom out. I'm able to write many more hours because I take that approach and I do it in a sustainable way versus sprinting. And then all of a sudden I hate writing and I don't write again for two months. Yeah. 
And so I, I love that idea of, of taking the, um, the long view. Yeah. And on that point, when I, what really like made it make sense for me, it's like, okay, I took those breaks. And what happened was I still did the equivalent of two episodes a week over the course of a year. It's like, it's all good. It's all good that, you know, there were times and another thing that comes to mind from what you're talking about is like how, when you're doing something that you feel called to do, or you're obsessed with, or just everyone else, the amount that you're doing sounds ludicrous to other people. The amount of times people tell me three episodes a week, are you kidding me? I'm like, dude, I, I need to do this to, <laughs> to be effective as a human being to, yeah. you know, like this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. Like I, I need, what do you mean? That's not so much. You just set a high pace on the treadmill and then you just do it. And so that's how I think about it. And when you said three hours of writing a day, I'm saying to myself, dude, what? Like that's a crazy <laughs> amount. But to you, it's your normal because you do it. And for professional writers, they view that as normal too, I would assume. And so, well, I, yeah, I'm going to, I'll let you finish. Please. I think that, um, for me, I mean, honestly, like three hours of writing is about all I can do mentally. That's about all the bandwidth I have. And then I get diminishing returns pretty quickly. And it's, and it's the operating in that area of diminishing returns where your brain is forced to work harder to squeeze out the same amount that's when burnout happens yeah. is when you've passed that threshold of productivity and you've entered into this domain of low quality work and as your brain is torched and it's like, it's, I mean, it's the same equivalent of like if your body being injured and you keep hammering that muscle and then you're, you get upset because yeah. you're, you're not as strong as you were on that 7,000th rep yeah. or you're not as strong as you were in that fourth hour of writing. You're like, well, then Duh. you're preparing <laughs> yeah. exactly. So yeah, yeah, choosing the right rep range, I think, is really important. Yes, like choosing three episodes a week. Okay, well, it's not five episodes a week. It's not one. It's enough to get better, but it's not enough to stop doing it completely. Yes. So, like, people, I think, should be really mindful about the rep range they choose for their own pursuit. And maybe the reason why people stop is they're choosing the wrong rep range. Yeah. Right. I've never thought about it like that. <laughs> This podcast is just going to go. I've never thought about it like that. <laughs> no, I think it's a brilliant idea. And I I love rep range is like, it's going to stick with me. Yeah. I think that's such a good way to think about it. Because um, I think, I mean, absolutely to your point, is people overwhelm themselves at, I love, I love the metaphor of the acorn and the oak for so many reasons. One of which is this idea that great things have small beginnings. Like the podcast, right? Yeah. It's 38 episodes, audio only. You know? You writing childhood stories to your mom in the stands, right? Like, great things really do have small beginnings. And I think it just, we we don't see that often enough. Like, we don't see it. We see the top of the mountain. We see somebody, we don't see Alex Honnold climbing something in his backyard when he was seven, right? So, it's, it's, the small beginnings that I think we should celebrate more. Absolutely. Aim high, start small. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So I want to wrap up with this question. Uh, Next year, this time we're going to sit down. We're going to have a similar conversation. Can't wait. If that 2023 version of Danny Miranda could offer a piece of advice to the Danny Miranda sitting in front of me right now, what would he say? 
whatever you did in the first three weeks of Austin of moving here, if you can do that for 52 weeks in 2023, you will be undeniable. And just so often we know the right route. We choose to do different things. I've chosen the right route for three weeks here. And I will continue to iterate and try to get better on those three weeks and see how, how I can make it more efficient, how I could make it a more fulfilling experience, how I can improve all the, but if you can continue that to the best of your abilities and elongate the period, undeniable awaits. All right. We're still with 2023 Danny Miranda. He wants a few seconds longer with you. What is one thing that he will thank you for? He will thank me for doing what he knew 2022 Danny Miranda was capable of doing. He will thank me for doing three podcast episodes a week. He'll thank me for reading 10 pages of a book. He'll thank me for putting out a bunch of clips on Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook. (laughs) He'll thank me for working out hard and continuing to run and continue to lift weights. He'll thank me for doing the things that he knows he should do. And he will prosper to the best of his abilities because of it. What do you today want to thank the Danny that started the podcast for? I think about that a lot. I thank that person for having that naivete that I did. (laughs) In order to begin a journey, we often need to be naive to what it will require us or for what we will have to give for the things we will have to sacrifice. And so I'm, I'm thankful for being naive. I'm thankful for not knowing and putting my head down and going and making connections and building in the world because it's introduced me to people like you. It's introduced me to a whole new world of people who inspire me, who light me up. I was driving yesterday to a podcast being like, how the hell did this happen? (laughs) You know, like what is going on? This is the coolest thing in the world. Have you had happy tears in Austin yet? Um, I get I get I get stricken with random bouts of happy tears from yeah, time to time. Yeah, I mean just like, gratitude expressing itself. Yes. The that feeling manifests has manifested itself so many times I can't even put it into words. Which is a really beautiful thing. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I'm just thankful for that person for starting it without knowing and without questioning and without trying to do everything, just being where his feet were mm. and doing it to the best of his abilities. Hmm. And understanding and having the faith. This is the this podcast is the thing that I've done in my life the longest other than working out. It's been working out and reading and podcasting has been the three things that have stuck of all the things that I've tried. Dude, I've started e-commerce stores. <laughs> I, I've tried drinking. I've yeah. tried, you know, like yeah, yeah. I've tried all these different passions and pursuits, but it's like, what, what is actually stuck? And I think that's the work shows itself. The path shows itself from the work, right? And it's like my life is just the path and the work that I'm doing shows like, oh, where I'm actually supposed to go. Mm. And it's a concept I've been thinking a lot because the form of the podcast can only take hold by the work. I have set it up in a way where I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know who the person I'm going to interview in July of 
2023 yeah. or December. But I can only know that by continuing to do the work. Um, one of my favorite writing books is by uh, a lady named Anne Lamott. Annie Lamott. Bird by bird. Bird by bird. And she's got the metaphor in there of a car with headlights. Um, when you're driving at dark, you have a destination, but you can only see as far as your headlights allow. It's the same exact thing. You just have to understand that as you progress forward, the path will appear. It's okay that you don't see the whole thing. You'll see as much as you need to. Um, I love that. We're going to end on this. I know that we're going to end on the last thing, but I want to end on something else. <laughs> Sweet. Um, you can do this all day. With well, I had this conversation with Brett and Harry of Meat Mafia. Shout out Meat Mafia. And then I had it with CJ on the podcast um, yesterday. And it is going into 2023. What is, if you had to select a word to set your intention, do you, what is that word? Look at Danny Miranda and be like, man, 2023 was the year of undeniable. Mm. I mean, I ha- I've had it on my home screen for the past, I don't know, 12 weeks. Let that 12 weeks be the next 52 weeks. Yeah. Undeniable. Let me be undeniable, not only to other people and and the work ethic, but let me be undeniable to myself. Let me say that I left no stone unturned. Let me say that I did everything to myself to put myself in the position that I want to be in. Let me be undeniable. So undeniable is the word for 2023. All right. I appreciate you, Danny. This is a great conversation. Let's go rip some sun and some ice here at Squatch Frontier Fitness. This is the radio room, y'all. We're just opening. Um, So uh, more and more people will be getting in here, having conversations. Uh, Come check it out. Let me know. Um, And I hope you all have a merry, very merry Christmas. Um, Sitting here on Christmas Eve uh, and a happy new year. And until next time. What an absolute blessing. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, dude.